0: This week's prayer, John, uh, John 17, Jesus actually prayed a fairly lengthy prayer. I'm not going to do what I did last week, which is kind of break it verse by verse by verse. Uh, there's just too many verses to go through. But here's what I'd like to do. I want to take it by section by section. And as I read through the section, I want you to be thinking, okay, what, Lord, are you speaking to me about this section? And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to share those things. So let's jump in. John 17, verse 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, okay, I'm going to stop. I said I'm not going to do this, and here I am doing it. Let's get the context for this. After Jesus said this, okay, so what, what is it speaking to right there? Jesus had already gone through the uh, Last Supper, Okay, and then he's walking between where they were at the Philosopher and the Mount of Olives, and he gives this teaching. And here's the things that he covers in the teaching He said uh, that he is the vine, and we are the branches, and anyone attached to him would have life. You guys remember that? Okay, then he talks about this. So, because of that, here's what I want you to do I want you to love one another. Okay, that's, he was giving a command. Um, He prays it in just a minute, but basically was saying, hey, listen, I want you to know you have to be grafted into me, and then you have to love one another. What does that remind you of? Family, Family, okay. What scripture, anything in the Bible that that reminds you of? Uh, Graft into him and love one another. The greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another, Right? And that's the first two things he's teaching them right here, right before he's crucified. Then he says this, the world will hate you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Right? So if I'm grafted into Jesus and I love one another, then here's a promise for you. The world will hate you. The world will hate you. Uh, Just a quick litmus test. Uh, How many people hate you? Don't answer that. (laughs) But... Could it be that we get, as, as people who attend church, do we get a little comfortable in the world? And according to what Jesus said is, if you're grafted in him and you're loving one another, then the world's going to see that. And one of two things, in my opinion, are going to happen. One, they're going to be attracted to you and they're going to want to know what is different about you. Or two, they're going to hate you. That's what Jesus was trying to tell them. He says, the world will hate you, and you'll get persecuted. But then he says, but don't worry, because the Holy Spirit's coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to be your comforter. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to give you the words to say. And then he says this, you're going to have great grief, speaking of his crucifixion, but your grief will be turned to joy. And then he goes into praying. Therefore, when you pray in my name, you'll know that you'll be able to receive what you pray. All right, And then he says, and he finishes what he's teaching by saying this, and you will have trouble in this world. Amen? Amen. <laughs> oh, that's a fun one, isn't it? His last words before he prayed, the last instruction to the disciples is he wanted us to understand that we were going to have trouble trouble in this world. And there is a, there's a lie. There's a thought that people have that if I give my heart to the Lord and if I walk with him, then what's going to happen is that everything is going to be great. Everything's going to be roses and really fresh scents. And I'm just going to walk around and life is going to be so good. And it's just not true. And so don't let that shake what you believe because you may have trouble because Jesus promised that we would have trouble in this world. I remember a gentleman um, in the youth group when I was serving Pastor John. He got radically saved. He gave his heart to the Lord. He was going all out. But he had, before he had given his heart to the Lord, he had gone through something that he was going to have to pay for in the legal system. And so his prayer was, God, I know you love me, and I know you're going to take this away. And so, when he actually went to the courts and they gave him the sentence that he rightly deserved, he got really mad at God and he totally walked away from him. And, church, I'm just here to tell you uh, when you ask Jesus, it's not a get out of jail card, it's a get out of hell card for sure. <laughs> But understand, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden troubles go away. And you have to understand that you will reap what you sow. And um, if you sow bad words, I don't even know why I'm going. For whoever has, I didn't plan on this. Um, Whoever has ears to hear, whatever you sow, you are going to reap. And and that's just a practical principle that God said. So here's what I always tell people. If you've been sowing bad things, understand there's a season where you're going to reap. But during that season, reap or sow good things. Because then you'll get out of that and you'll start reaping the good. Amen? Okay. After Jesus had said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the Holy Spirit, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. All right, so as I read through that, what thoughts come to your mind? Sorry, over here.
1: Yes. Christians, we've been given a work to do, and as long as we're on earth, we should be doing it.
0: Okay. What what section of that makes you feel like that there's the work that we have to do in this?
1: Uh, The line that says, I have brought glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Okay.
0: And it ties in really well with last week. If you didn't get to hear last week, uh, go back to our Facebook page. Actually, we now have a YouTube channel that all we're current on, and we actually have podcasts. You can go to Apple and look up Shine Church, and we have podcasts, so you can listen to those podcasts. Go back to last week, because we talked about, I thought it was by grace that we're saved and not by works. And the truth is, yes, we are saved by grace in order to do good works, and Jesus gave us that example, didn't he? Okay, so I love that. Monty, did you have something?
2: I think it also, uh, it says, be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within. We, every one of us, need to be ready to witness to those who are lost it's it's stated right there in the scriptures
0: yeah i love your heart too because that is you you are always ready aren't you Mm -hmm. um i haven't gone out to lunch with you but i'm looking forward to it because i want to see what happens when the waitresses and waiters come around because i have a feeling you're ready to give an answer I, I, i love that aspect somebody over here i thought we had somebody else
1: I think what I notice is when it when it says this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. And that like sometimes we think of eternal life as something that starts when we die, um, yes. rather than thinking of eternal life as something that starts when we enter into a relationship with God and begin to get to know Him. Yeah, that's really cool.
0: Okay, not only is it really cool, but I think in that first section is probably the most important thing that we get and have an understanding that he, Jesus himself, is praying, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Anybody else think that's kind of a weird prayer? I, I mean, just let me, let me rephrase it. If I, Please give me a little liberty here. But Lord, I pray that Shine Church would understand you, and that they would follow you, and that they would understand that Dan DeMay that's kind of a weird prayer that I'm praying that people would be like Dan DeMay. He says, I want them to understand that eternal life is to know you and to know Jesus Christ, oh, which is me. Anybody else find that funny? Interesting, at least, in the way that he said that? And yet he understood that the way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. John 14 says this, that the way that he's the truth of life, and the only way to the Father is through him. It's the only way. There's a lot of people in this world that say Christianity is incredibly narrow, narrow-minded, narrow and I would agree, yes, it is. It's incredibly narrow-minded, because Jesus Christ, who walked and talked on this planet, said some incredibly bold things, and one of the things that he said is, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. Man, that's an incredibly bold claim. And you have to wrestle with that thought because here's the truth. Jesus Christ walked and talked on this planet. It's funny because when I started ministry over 25 years ago, um, you could have a conversation and some people would say that Jesus was kind of a mythical creature, you know, kind of Zeus and all the gods and then Jesus, right? Um, But here's what's interesting. From archaeology finds, from more history books being discovered and and just people citing about Jesus Christ that weren't Christians, is become now where that's actually not questioned. What is questioned then is who Jesus is. And it goes back to what um, Jesus asked Peter and the disciples. Who do you say that I am? And so I love C.S. Lewis. We talked about this before, but C.S. Lewis says this. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. And I've challenged people, give me a fourth Give me a fourth one. Because he walked and talked on this planet. He taught things. He prayed things like this. That eternal life is to know the Father and to know me. Man, that's, that's incredibly bold. So he's either crazy or he's a liar or he is who he said he is. And I would just take a little time today and say this. If you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to know that God so much loved you that he sent Jesus so that you could have eternal life. You can have direct access with our creator. And you can have relationship. God doesn't want religion from your church, he wants a relationship. I say that almost each and every week, but it's so true and I hope you get it. He wants relationship with you. And the eternal life, as Ashley said, starts when you ask him into your heart. It starts right then. Aren't you glad for that? Okay. Is it warm in here? Okay. Can you uh, turn there? Down? There you go. I knew that's why you were so quiet, because you're so hot. Anybody else have anything in that first section? Yep, right here.
3: There's uh, one word that shows up at least four or five times in that passage, and it's glory. Hmm. And so I think it is about bringing glory to the Father, Jesus's mission. And I think it was uh, for his obedience sake that he would glorify God, but he needed God to glorify him to the point where he would be obedient. So I personalized that section. Father, glorify me that I might glorify you for the sake of obedience and love.
0: And there's a fine line there between glorifying me so I can have people look at me, right? Absolutely. And, and glorify me so that you get glory. It's a little bit of what we talked about last week. When we step out and we start doing the works that God created us to do, then all of a sudden we're attractive to the world because we're reflecting him instead of trying to get what we want, right? And what's interesting here, and I'm glad you brought it up, Pastor Rob, I have to give him credit, in the teaching team, he actually said, you know what? We've been talking about the fact that this is Jesus' final prayer. It's actually not his final prayer. It's the final prayer with the disciples, but his final prayer is actually found in Matthew. And it says this, going a little further, farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He goes back, finds his disciples sleeping. He says, wake up. Then he goes back in and he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he comes back, finds the disciples sleeping again, and then he goes back, and verse 44, he says, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Now, here's what's interesting to me about glory when I think about glory, I think about something that is really, um, just really powerful and and very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, it, it it makes you look like a really good light, right? I mean, it's not about dying. I, dying doesn't make sense in my head. That dying would bring anybody glory. Does it? I mean, when I say hey, you know, <laughs> man, I'm struggling here. I was in Mexico all week and I still have Mexico brain. It's interesting to me that Jesus at the end of this little section says glorify he glorify the father but then he says and glorify me in the presence with your glory I had before the world began. And I think a lot of the disciples thought that Jesus was gonna come and he was gonna be glorified by becoming a leader. That he was gonna come in and he was gonna take away the tyranny of the Roman government and he was gonna come in and establish God's rule. And when they thought of glory, that's what they thought. Yes? And I think a lot of times that's what we think. We think that if we will do things certain ways that it's gonna look glamorous and it's gonna really, uh, you know, we're gonna shine in ways that um, we, th- we think we should shine, but I would submit to you that maybe the ways you shine is the ways that Jesus did, and that is saying, not my will, but yours, Amen. and that might mean I have to die. I have to die. Amen? <laughs> Let's die. I, DJ, man, this was probably six months ago, but talked about a message that all God wants to do is kill you. Huh? Go, go look into that one. Yeah, go back to that one. That was a fun one. So Jesus' final prayer actually was this: "Not my will, but yours be done." And so here's a little litmus test for you: um, How are you doing? Is your pray dur- prayer during the the week, um, God? You know, this is what I'd like to happen, but not my will, but yours. Or do we pray through, hey, this is what I want, this is what I desire, this is what I'm asking you to come do, and amen, and then you go into your day and then you're disappointed when it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. Because I think we have a lot of people in churches that pray that way and then get, they get offended at God because God didn't come down and wasn't their magic genie. Well, I get to rub the lamp and I get whatever. Man, we have to go to a place where we say, God, this is what I desire, but you know what? Not my will, but yours. And if we had that mindset, man, man, I, I mean, then we would look at every circumstance. We would look at everything that comes actually and happens in our life, and we would go, okay, I prayed for this, but this happened, so God must have something else in store. Yeah? And so, man, I think that that is very important to understand, that Jesus is prayer, not my will but yours be done. Man, if we want to, if we want to, if he's our hero and we want to emulate him, man, that's what we need to do. Not my will but yours. All right, second section, John 17, 6 through 19. What jumps out to you? I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will reign in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth." As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. I know it's a lot of verses right there. But if you had to stand up here and quickly summarize what was being said in this section, what would you say? Over here.
3: I just think that is packed full of telling us that we are not of the world. We're his. He, he bought us. We are his. And Jesus just prayed protection and power, everything else that we need uh, to live, to, to be here and do what we're doing, but to realize that we are not of this world.
0: Yeah. Okay. But we are in this world. Yes. Anybody else get that? I mean, I think you're right. I think that a lot of that section of scripture talks about, hey, they're in the world, but not of it, but they are in it, and I'm I'm not delivering them from it, so give them strength in the world to be a reflection of me, right? Somebody else, yep.
3: I think he's saying that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to protect us and watch over us and give us the strength to be here in the world. Absolutely.
0: You know what? He doesn't say it in this prayer, but I'm reminded as I read through it that that Jesus himself said it's better that I go because the comforter is going to come. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And I think that what he's really praying in in my opinion a part portion of this is God, as I'm in you and you're in me and the Holy Spirit is in us, uh, when I go and the Holy Spirit comes, let them understand and receive him so that they will understand that they are in us and we are in them. And I think he's really trying to say, hey, man, I hope they get that there's this oneness, that I'm not leaving them and abandoning them, but I'm leaving them so that they can have that direct access because remember this church, up until this time, if you wanted to hear from God, you had to go to the high priest and the high priest had to go once a year into the Holy of Holies and would take your sins into that room and come out and get the word from the Lord. There wasn't direct access. And because of what Jesus was about to do, he understood, hey, that veil is going to be ripped in two, and we're going to be able to have there, these disciples that I've been pouring into, they no longer have to hear from me. They can actually hear directly from you, Dad. And I love that. I love that part.
2: I think he's also saying, Jesus is also saying here, I have equipped the apostles except the one that is, of course, going to betray him uh, to, to carry on after he has left the world and, and uh, uh, make sure that everyone hears what I have to say or what I had to say. Yeah. And uh, it's not forgotten, uh, ever. And he makes sure, again, he re- reiterates that everyone understands who he, rea- who he is, yeah. where he came from and who he is.
0: Okay, so it's funny because I put my notes here. Know everything that you have given me has come from you. So one of the thir- things he prays for the disciples is I, I pray that they would understand. I pray, receive this today individually. Jesus is praying, I pray that, that they would know you. Jesus' prayer is that every single one, one of us would know him, our heavenly father okay, so that we would go into this world and reflect Him, again, like we've been saying. I don't read anything in here where it says that we're supposed to hide from the world. Anybody? It clearly states in this section that we're actually supposed to go into the world and that the Holy Spirit will give us direction as we understand that we're one with Him. That's good. Somebody else, yep.
3: Hopefully this makes sense but I think the the spirit around this at least what's speaking to me is is that Jesus made himself available uh, for his father to you know basically work through Jesus so that he can touch other people his disciples obviously and in the form of that the disciples made themselves available to receive the Lord's word yes and and as a form of giving back to the Lord that was kind of their their way of of, of God's giving and then them giving it back to the Lord, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So they took in what Jesus gave, and then not not only that, but in the future what the Holy Spirit was going to give to them, right, and they gave it back. You know what happened in between there? As as you were talking, this has jumped in my head. As you were talking, what happened in between with Jesus' prayer here and the disciples actually going out and, and the Holy Spirit speaking through them and ministering to the whole world is they all fell away. They all abandoned Jesus right before he was crucified. You guys remember the story? Okay, here's here's what this does for me. This brings me good news. Why does it bring me good news? Because even though I'm trying to work my salvation out each and every day, there are gonna be times where maybe I miss the mark and I fall away. And yet, God still used those disciples even after they had fallen away. That's good news, yes? That's really good news. Somebody else right here? Well, DJ, you turned into Rob. Yeah, that's, that's, that was weird.
1: It's funny that I'm buried in all of this is the word joy. Mm. Um, and if you look back 15, 16, and 17, he comes back to joy often and he talks about joy being made complete. And I was thinking about what you said, Dan, earlier. Is this invitation to be a part? of the Trinity, like to enter into this relationship. What Ashley said earlier about knowing him as eternal life, like He's he's got a grip on joy in the middle of all of this, like what can be overwhelming of being in the world or suffering or persecution. And yet somewhere he's telling us joy, and I was thinking about the, I think it's in Hebrews where he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Mm-hmm. It's like he's trying to give us this taste that there is something so worthy on the other side of all of this that there can be joy complete in us.
0: Mm. Amen. Angela's so well-spoken. And the same verse came to mind. He considered pure joy to do what he did on the cross. So let's go back to my litmus test earlier. Um, Are you um, not my will but yours be done? And are you in a position where if your will doesn't happen but God has something different, do you consider it pure joy? <laughs> I mean, it's not, that's not an easy word. I totally get that. But I'm telling you, if we're going to live like Jesus lived, what we're needing to understand is not your will, and I'm not sorry, not my will, but your will be done. And because of that, I will take great joy In the trials. I mean, it it starts putting scripture together. James where it says, consider it pure joy when you face many trials. Why? Because it builds up our endurance. It builds up our perseverance. Why? Because we all of a sudden are starting to realize, hey, you know what? It's a paradoxical kingdom. And what doesn't make sense in the flesh totally makes sense in the spirit. Hmm. Um, Okay. A couple things that I had in that section. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Okay.
2: Uh, earlier in the verse, it also says that God has authority over all the people of the earth, and we, as messengers, the authority that God has given us is the Word of God. Where the Word of God comments on the Word of God, and it says in Hebrews 4:12, "For the Word, our power is in the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sinners' of soul and spirit." And you know the rest of the verse. It's,
0: are you asking me to cite yeah. the rest of the verse? No, I say, I don't. And, and everybody, yeah. So I took, here's, I'm sorry. I lost half of what you were saying because the Holy Spirit was speaking to me on this. When, when you, okay. Okay, I want everybody to hear this because I think it's important and you just triggered this. You to say it again? The authority, the authority piece that you were talking about. Okay. I want everybody to understand that you have authority in Jesus Christ. Absolutely okay, Um, and he's got a purpose and plan for each one of us, and when we understand, last week we talked about it's step by step, it's little by little, when God asks you to step out into a certain area, I want you to understand that if he asks you to step out in that, you have been given authority to walk in that, and the enemy would come and try to tell you, no, you don't have authority. And would try to tell you that you're not worthy to step out in that thing. But church, I'm here to tell you that if God speaks something to you, you have been given the authority to step out and to walk in that. And so what I will tell leaders and what I've told the staff here is that when God speaks something to you and you feel called into a certain area, even if it's just for a one-time thing, I want you to understand that God is placing a mantle of authority on you. And you get to choose on whether or not you embrace that and walk in it. You gotta walk in that. I'll never forget when Pastor John at Jubilee Fellowship promoted me up to executive pastor. He asked me to do an all staff meeting one day. And so I'm getting ready to teach at this all staff meeting and we're doing worship. And here's the thought that was going through my head and see if you relate. if you've ever had this thought. Who are you to say anything to these people? You were just one of them, and now you are gonna get up and actually give them direction. Who do you think you are? And I remember sitting there during worship, going, God, I don't wanna do this. I don't I, I don't have any place. And he let me struggle for the first two songs. <laughs> and then the third song, man, I just clear as day, the thought that started coming into my mind was, I have placed this mantle of authority on it. You get up and you speak what I told you to speak. And I not only want you to speak it, but I want you to get up with boldness and I want you to do it like I myself told you to do this. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And so for whoever has ears to hear right now, that word on authority, I want you to understand that if God has spoke something for you to do, I want you to go step out and not only step out and do it, but do it with boldness and confidence because God has put that mantle of authority on you to go do it. And if you don't do it, we're going to miss out as the body of Christ. We need you to do it. And this section says that we're all one. And so if, if one of us is, is not stepping out in that authority, then we're all missing out in God's glory. Yeah?
2: Say, say was in the giving out of God's Word, when you witness to somebody, to see somebody burst into tears, it's just, it, it cuts, the Word of God cuts people to the bone. Yes. The conviction, the realization of what it is that it does in Hebrews 4.12, go over it and over yes. it. You see what that says. It's, it's just incredible word. The Word of God comments on the Word of God.
0: It's good. Rob, all the way over here. Um, while you're taking the mic over here, um, one final thing with that. He uses us to cut into other people in the world. He uses us to get to the hearts of the people in the world. Yes? <laughs> yes? yes? He uses us. Man, we, if you say yes, does that mean you're going to have to go tell everybody at Taco Bell this afternoon that Jesus loves them? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but here's what I know: that if you will just go to him, that as he said to the disciple men, he's the vine, we're the branches. If we graft into him, he's gonna give us insight. He's gonna give us direction. If you will take the authority given by him to step out in that thing, then as you do that, you will be the implement that God uses to cut to their heart and maybe change their life for eternity. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, church. Step out into this world in the things that God has spoken to you. Don't do it on your own. Don't do things that you think you should do. Go to him, and when you know that you know that you've heard from him, how do you hear? It's going to sound an awful lot like you. It's not audible, but it's a thought. And if you can't get away from that thought, then put that mantle of authority on, and you go out and do it. so what i hear him saying is well first of all he knew what he was going to have to endure and in my mind he knew he was going to level up as a result of what he was going to have to endure and um he's encouraging us to know that when we step out sometimes we are going to get beaten down we're going to face trials and persecutions but it's an opportunity to level up and if we can keep our eyes on that this week specifically he had me say some things have some discussions and some conversations that were really hard but I knew that I had to step out in obedience and do it and as a result I could feel the authority increase and I felt kind of how it feels to level up so I love I love the term you're using level up I, I hey it's not about getting to the top in a second you it's leveling up right if if you're a gamer at all and played any video games you can't just beat the to go to the boss and beat it all. You have to level up, level up, level up, level up. We understand that in work situations, we understand that in almost every practical situation in our life. But when it comes to God, we want to, we want God to take us from here and catapult us to the top of the mountain. Yeah, man, He's just not going to do that. Maybe on the rare occasion, but what He's going to do is little by little, level by level, bold step by bold step, He's going to start. Asking us to do things, which then gives us, in turn, confidence to step out. And Jesus himself is praying here, let your people understand this. Man, I hope that they get this.
3: Uh, This is kind of a personal testimony. Uh, When we were back east and our kids were smaller at the time, I had built a table, (coughs) a large table for us to eat on, a dinner table came home from a hard day at work, and I got 10 kids around the table, four of them, which are mine. And I looked, and I'm saying, why am I feeding these kids? Their parents are both working, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm the only guy working, and, uh, and I was in my pity party at the time, and God interrupted my pity party and said, because they've accepted your children You've accepted them, and because you've accepted my son, I accept you. So I looked at the kids, and I said, eat up, kids. (laughs) Yeah, because God let me know in my pity party that he was with me, and he provided the food for everybody. And there was more than one day, but that's when he spoke to me that uh, because I accepted his son, he loves me.
0: Church, will you let God interrupt your pity party? I'm serious. I mean, as he was saying that, I I found myself going, man, we like to hang out in our pity party, don't we? Or let me restate that. I like to hang out there. I love to hang out there. I don't know what, it, it makes me feel good to be irritated or angry, which is, I mean, When I say that, I'm like, what in the world am I saying? And yet, in the middle of that, I can't tell you how many times I've been irritated and know that God wants to pull me out of that, but I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you. I like my pity party. Um, I love how you said that. Love that. Um, Last thought in that section that I have, and we'll move on and finish up. Um, He says, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Just another reminder that when he says, I sanctify myself that they may be truly sanctified, Jesus knew what he was doing. And here's what he was doing. He was saying, hey, not a single one of you can have access to the Father except if I do this. And it is what gave him the boldness and the ability and the confidence and the strength to say, not my will but yours. And to go to the cross. Because he understood that if he did it, that every one of us would be able to have that right standing before our Heavenly Father. Whether you, here's the sad thing, whether people accept that or not, he did it for you. You may go, I don't believe in this, Jesus. I don't believe in any of this. Well, you may not believe in it, but God sent his son. Jesus died a brutal death for you. And for you to say, oh, I don't believe in that, man, he still did it for you. No matter what you say about it, no matter what you believe about it, he still did it for you. And he still did it for the people in this world. And so as God speaks to you, step out, be bold, and go out there. When he tells you to. Yeah, Melanie.
3: This is just a quick tap into what you just said, but you know, in, in the version I have, it says, I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified, but the two words before that are super powerful, because it says
0: for them. Mm. For them I sanctify, yep, that's good. Okay, last section. John 17, 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I loved you. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Okay, so Jesus is either being super redundant here or he's repeating something over and over and over so we get it. Which one do you choose to believe? I don't think he's just saying it over and over because uh, he's just wanting to hear himself. He's saying this over and over because he wants us to understand that, listen, church, he is in the Father, the Father is in him, and because of the Holy Spirit, now we are in him and he is in us, and we have access to the Father, and we can have that oneness. It brings back the importance of understanding that we are the body of Christ, and we need to grab a hold of this. Yes? Yes? Those who will believe through their message. I put in my notes, Jesus had us in mind. Um, I will never forget the second trip to Israel that I had. Uh, by the way, we had enough interest um, last weekend that we're gonna actually try to put together a cost for a trip. We'd love to do one in the fall of this of 2020. So more details to follow. But I went to Israel um, and the second time I was there, it was interesting because the first time you go to Israel, um, you are it, you are taking like I was doing video and Kim was doing pictures, and that's we were stuck behind our cameras, so just like, we saw Israel through the lens, right? Second time we we're like, okay, we have all the pictures, and so we just got to experience, and we just went into these different places, and I will never forget being in uh, Caiaphas' house where they put Jesus be- right before he. Uh, stood trial and went and was crucified, and they put you in this room, and it's a small, teeny room. They turn off the lights, and I just found this overwhelming sense of, oh my gosh, did Jesus have me in mind when he was in this room? And church, I'm here to tell you that as he's praying these things, he had you in mind. Your name was in his mind. And man, that's a powerful, powerful thought. Because I think a lot of times we distance ourselves from this prayer. We distance ourselves from Jesus and what he was saying to disciples. But I'm here to tell you that he was very on purpose about what he prayed and what he said because he wanted you to have the personal relationship. And he had you in mind when he died on that cross. Do you believe that? Man, if you don't believe that, Go before the Lord and ask him, did you have me on mind? And I'm telling you, when God speaks that to you, it's a powerful thing that takes place. We are all to be one, we've talked about that. Then he says, to be where I am. Do you guys know that one of the final thoughts that Jesus said, I think this is so cool, is that he said, I want them to be where I'm gonna be. Man, I think that's really cool. That he wants you to be with him in heaven for eternity. His greatest desire is that you would be there. Yes? Man. And then he finishes by saying, continue to make you known. What are we doing this for? The whole process of knowing God is Jesus' final promise for us. His final promise is that we would go into what we talked about last week, which is to have the experience of God, a relationship with Him, that we would get to know Him better and better each and every day. And my prayer for you this week has been, God, help the people in Shine Church to actually know you a little bit more today than they did yesterday. Because if we know Him a little bit more today than we did yesterday, a little bit more tomorrow than than today, then we will step out and we will start to actually live from this prayer understanding that he is in us and that we are in him and that he wants to lead and direct us amen before i pray any uh, any other thought i didn't give anybody any chance for that section but okay heavenly father we thank you so much god we thank you for this Um, the prayers that you have given to us in your word. We thank you for the fact that you wanted us to comprehend something great um, through this prayer. And I believe that that is solely based on the fact that you want us to know that we have direct access to you and that You have an eternal destination for us that isn't when we pass from this world. Yes, it's completed then, but that eternity starts right now. And how does it start? By knowing you and knowing your son who you sent. And so Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this room that hasn't asked Jesus into their heart. God, I pray that you would make yourself real to them and that Lord, um, that they would open their hearts and their minds and just simply ask you, if it's real, because I know you'll be faithful to come and touch their heart and speak to them. And so Lord, we thank you that you have called us to you and that you sanctified us by what you did on that cross. And, and you prayed about it, you instructed us, and you helped us to see the power in that. And Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen.